You are about to encounter the teaching ministry of Bishop Andy Juma. Bishop Andy Juma is the pastor of the Precious Souls Church, a denomination under the United Denominations originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, founded by Bishop Dag Hewitt Moore. Bishop Andy Juma oversees the denomination which has churches in Swaziland and Namibia. The Precious Souls Church is full of zealously affected souls who love and desire to work for the Lord. This anointed message will bring hope, encouragement, and healing to your life. Be transformed as you listen to this message. We've been sh- what were we talking about last week? Who can tell me? We're looking at counting the costs of ministry. And then we realized that the ministry is work. And then we looked at what makes it work. What makes it work? Or what, what makes it a work, if you, if, you, if you want us to put it that way? What makes ministry work? And we looked at um, that it has working hours. It has, you know, if you are somebody who is serious about ministry and you are a worker in the ministry, um, you shouldn't be offended by things that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. One of it is that every work has working hours. You see. So now, you, if I'm not telling you that, I think I've mentioned that when you come to church, you have come to worship God and also to work for the Lord. Do you understand? Yeah. Never be somebody who has just come to enjoy the service and go back. Ask yourself, what am I doing to contribute to the well-being of the service and the well-being of the church? Do you see? Now, every worker, when you go to work, you are told when to come. You you, you don't say, oh, I found the work. Oh, praise the Lord. When do you start? I go anytime. Anytime is tea time. By next week, you'll be out of the job. Because it's like you don't understand what work is. That work has a starting time and a finishing time. So, like I told you, I think the week before, that for us on a Sunday, our working, Sunday is a working day for the Lord. And we start work early. I start my work at 3 a.m. That's when I'm up praying. And sometimes I'm even up earlier. So you too, your, 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 your work starts with prayer. So 5 to 6 o'clock we are praying. Last week, many of you were not there. How many of you were there? Only Vashi. I saw General. But this week, you are, you are, you are joining Amen. Amen. Now, to be able to wake up to join, you must sleep early. Mm, you must sleep early. You can't sleep late. Otherwise, you can't, even when the alarm rings, you can't hear like how many of you were explaining to me on Sunday. When you set the alarm, it will ring all right, but you will not be able to hear. So, sleep early and join. That is, the work, prayer is work for us. And perhaps the most important work. 
So five o'clock, I expect that all shepherds, pastors, four o'clock, you are on. Amen. Super, you were there? Yeah. What name did you use? Innocent. Uh, okay. Good. And then half eight, you start your work of mobilization. Half eight, that's when you don't, you don't go looking for the people at 10 o'clock when the service is at half 10. Half eight, you are up, you are moving. You are making calls. You are moving, you are gathering your people so that you can arrive in the service on time. By half 10, you are here. But if you, you are waking up at 8.30, because you know the service is at 11 or half 10, when will you pray? When will you organize yourself? When will you go and look for, for, for your sheep? That's how come your ministry is not working and it's not growing. Because you yourself, you don't understand what it means to. So I'm showing you that your, your, your day must start early and it must start with prayer. Amen. And to help you to pray, I'm asking you to join the morning prayer. Because many of you, you can't pray and you don't pray. So to help you to pray, you join the morning prayer at five. How many of us are going to join this Sunday? Yeah. You must join. At the point, if you can't join, I will just disappear you. You become a sheep. Yes, because you don't know you you don't know your work. Wonderful. So we look into that now. Um, I was looking at this chapter, I think chapter seven in the mega church book, how to start a church. And the first point is ten steps you need. Ten steps you need to start a church. It's the same ten steps you need to start a bar center. It's the same ten steps you need to start a ministry. And the first one is count the cost, and that's what we were looking at. Things to count, like the real work, the real work. Involved. The number two is do not be desperate. Okay? Do not be desperate. Number three is two or three is enough. Two or three. So like two or three members is enough to start. Okay? Number four, do not be in a hurry or don't be in a hurry. In other words, don't cut corners. Don't be in a hurry to achieve certain results. And number five, pray for and recruit pillars. Pray for and recruit pillars. Today, I want to talk about number five, pray for and recruit pillars. So the title of this evening's message is um, Recruiting Pillars or How to Recruit Pillars. Amen. Amen. Are you here? Are, are, you, are, you, are you here? The, the, the guys at the back, are you here? Yeah. I can't, I can't feel you. Okay, let me move my pulpit here. I should push it to the side. Great. Now, when we say Pillars, what are they? What is a pillar? A pillar is 
one of the components of a building, usually you know, okay? And if you're not into building, you, you may think that all the building is made of bricks or blocks, but it's not so. When you build your foundation, there are what we call columns that emerge from the foundation up. And the common language for the column is pillar. And the pillar is made up of concrete and steel. And that is actually what forms the building. The strength of the building is in the columns and beams. When we say beams, we mean a type of pillar which runs horizontally. When we say column, it's a type of pillar that runs vertically. Now, you can break a brick, but you can't easily break a pillar. Why? Because it's tough. The concrete is strong. The strength of a building is determined by the strength of the pillars or the columns. So one of the skills that you need to know when you are buying a structure, a building, is that there is something we call the Smith Hammer's test. There is a particular hammer that you take, you see, and then you go to the building and you, and you look for the pillar or the column and then you hit the column. When you hit it, that hammer is supposed to rebounce or bounce back. Do you see? Now, the degree to which it bounces back tells of the strength of the column. So, if, if it bounces back to a very small distance, what it means is that the, the column is weak. So, the action and the reaction is very small. But if it really bounces back, it tells you of the impact. Now, if the column is weak, it actually tells you that the building is weak and the value must be low. So you don't look at the building and say, it's very nice. So I'm going to buy it. You, you've, you've made a big mistake. You need to run what we call the Smith Hammers test. And that is done by experts. Okay, so besides so many things, why? Because that is, that is what determines the real value of the structure, the strength of the columns, the strength of the pillars. Now, when you have your columns done, the next thing you can do, so, for example, we use steel columns, eye sessions. The next thing you can do is that you fill up the spaces between the columns with anything you want. You can use bricks, you can use um, glass, you can even use paper. It's entirely your business. Because that's, that's what you want. Because the real building, what they build or what they spend money on is the columns and the beams, the concrete work. Every other thing is not too important in terms of the strength of the building. Now, in the same way, ministry is also likened to construction. If you are in this session, you can, you can become a very good pastor. Yeah, and a very good leader, and a very good shepherd. 
So listen to what I'm sharing with you carefully. Ministry is also like building. When you are building, there is a way to think. And the first thing you must think about is pillars. Oh, please join us here. We want you to be here. Don't be too far. Amen. So listen to me. The first, one of the first things to think about is to think of pillars. Pillars. Now, you see, when you are building, you need an engineer, a structural engineer, and he designs the columns, the pillars and the beams. And they charge a lot of money for that. And you may ask yourself, that, ah, but why? Why are they charging so much? Because that is actually the building. If the building comes down, it's because the pillars were weak. If the building comes down, and buildings do come down. Recently, a week ago, a whole three-story building in Ghana came down. It just came down. Not because of demons, but because people cut corners or they pay quack engineers. Because an, an engineer will tell you, I'll charge you 400000 for just the drawing. And then there can also be a boy from VTC who will say, oh, you don't need drawing. I can build for you. Just give me 40000 uh, 40, And you are thinking, I can save 360000 But remember that when you pay peanuts, monkeys work for you. The whole building will go down. Are you understanding me? So in ministry also, when you are starting to build anything, the first thing to think about is to think pillars. Think pillars. Now, who is a pillar? A pillar is a dependable helper. Amen. A pillar is a dip- and when you come for such, such, you must write notes. Don't just come and look at my face. Not unless you are sure you get the message, you listen to it. But because what you hear, what you hear is only impacting you in the service. After that, you don't remember anything. You know, and it, it, it shows you're also not serious. Yeah, it shows you're also not serious. So one of the things you must cultivate in especially sessions like this is to make important notes that you will go and think through deeply and learn to apply it to yourselves. So I said a pillar is what? A dependable helper. Not just a helper, but a helper that is really dependable. You can count on, you can rely on, the person will not and cannot fail you. That is a pillar. Because in the church, you'll find many people. But you'll be shocked that the pillars are few. The people that really can be depended on. The people that can really help. 
Now, when you start, if you want to build something, if you want to build something that will last, don't think about the brick form. Look at making your pillar strong. You know that chapel at um, the Vintu picture? That, how old is that chapel? 1800. So that's almost 200 years old. And that building is very solid. Now, why is it that strong? It's strong not because of what it's made of, but it's strong because of its columns and beams. There are some buildings, they are falling. Even there's one that I, I know just across here. It's falling. If there is any wind or rain, some people will be in crisis. Some of you, you are, when you enter your room, you have to go this way because the room is this way. I went to see one recently and I said, look, the building is not bad, but just the columns are bent. You have to redo it. Now, for any assignment that you have, any assignment to build your basenta, to build your center, to build your branch, to grow anything, the first thing to do is what? Think of what? Pillars. Don't think of members. It's the wrong mindset. You are putting the cats before the horse. The first thing to think about is what? Pillars. Dependable helpers. Who, if I have to start a branch now, I will not think about members first. I will think about pillars. Who are the people that can help me? Where I'm going. That is why it's always good to start with some people that you know can work with you and can help you and can help you very well. They are your pillars. If you just start and you gather members, I tell you, you will have nothing. It's just a matter of time. You'll be alone. The members would betray you. Any wind can blow them. But many a time, we are busy looking for numbers, looking for people, but it's not a bad thing, but it's the wrong timing. You don't start like that. You don't start a building without a foundation. You don't start a building without columns and, and beams. It's the first thing you do. And then later on, you can add on your, your bricks or your glass or whatever material you are using to cover up. So I said the first thing to do is to think of what? Pillars. Recruit pillars for your assignment. Why? I'll show you a scripture. Psalm 39 and verse 5. It's a very interesting scripture. I want you to underline it. Put asterisks on it. But where's your Bible? No Bible, no notebook. 
you don't understand many things. What did I say? Something nine. Okay, can I read Psalm 39, verse 5? Where is Unda? She's not here today. Okay. It says, are you there? It says, behold, thou hast made my days as an hand breath. Do you know a hand breath? Like the length of your hand. Short breath. Not breath. Breath. Length and breath. Okay. So the psalmist is saying that you have made my days like a hand breath. Short. Something that is short lived. I don't know what your, your version is saying, but, but, but that's what King James says. Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand breath, and my age is as nothing before thee. Those of you who pride so much in your age. Do you know my age? I'm older than you, eh? (laughs) And so what? You're older than me and so what? And my age is as what? Nothing before thee. You know, when I was young, maybe like seven years, I used to think that, ah, because like my daddy was like everything to me. So I used to think that, ah, if my daddy is this important, then Jesus must respect him. Because I used to think that he's as old as Jesus. Then when I grew up myself, then I saw that our age is nothing before God. We are so small boys. Amen. So he says that my days are like hand breath and my age is also nothing before thee. Read on that he says, Verily, that's the part you must underline. He says, Verily, every man, say every man, every man at his best state, at his what? Best state is altogether vanity. Vanity means useless. <laughs> every man, what? At his best state, your best state. You are altogether useless. Vanity. Vanity. Every man. So if you know that at your best state, you are altogether useless, you will see that you need people. You need helpers. Because in your best state, you are nothing. You can't do much you can't do anything even at your best state all by yourself because understand that every man not some men not some herero men or some oshivambo men but every man at their best state altogether useless so when somebody tells you that you are at your best form don't feel proud understand that hey you are still altogether vanity Useless. So when Jesus came on earth, he knew the secret. 
30 years or thereabout, he began his ministry. He knew his assignment very well. He knew what he was called to do. But the first thing he began to do was not to recruit members. Go with me to look, is it Mark? Mark chapter 1. The very beginning of Jesus' ministry, Mark chapter 1. And verse 16. Have you found it? Some of you, after this meeting, you need to restart. Because you are building on a wrong foundation. Now, it says, now, as he walked, who? Jesus by the Sea of Galilee, what did he do? He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. Now, this is Mark chapter 1, the very beginning of his ministry. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers, or fishermen, right? And he said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you become fishers of men. I'll make you become pillars. I'm, I'm not recruiting you to, to become members, but I'm recruiting you to, to become leaders of men, shepherds of men, fishers of men. These are the first people he recruited. He told them that I'm recruiting you to become fishers of men. And straight away, they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their, their father Zebedee in the ship with hired servants and went after him. So again, you see that this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And the first thing we see him doing is recruiting pillars. Recruiting pillars. Recruiting dependable helpers. People that can help him. Now, many people, what I see is that many of you, you are functioning well, you are doing well, but you are not growing in ministry. You're not expanding. You're only complaining. And the complaining will never stop. Because, not because there are demons fighting you. But the truth is that you've not learned the leadership skill of building. Now, what you need to do to circumvent and to change things is to be like Jesus. You have to build the leadership style of Jesus with his style of leadership. And the way to do it is that recruit pillars. Recruit pillars. Many of you are alone. Anyone that you see alone working 
is actually on an assignment to fail. I'm telling you. You are on, a, on an assignment to fail. And if you are honest with yourself, you can see that the failure is staring at you. It's staring at you. It's only pride that, that will not allow you to admit it, but it's staring at you. Recruit pillars. Like I said, if you ask me to start anything new, I'll pray. I'll be in my room and pray. And the next thing is that I'll go and recruit pillars. Even if it takes me one year, it's okay. Because it's better to build on a rock than and take years to build on it than to hurriedly build on the sand. Because the truth is that both buildings will experience the same winds. But what will make your building stand is if it's built on a rock. And the rock is a pillars. So that you are alone. You are alone. Who are your pillars? Who are your pillars? Who are you? I'm not talking about who, where are your members. I'm saying, who are your pillars? Jesus had pillars. He took his time, moved around, recruiting them. When this church started, Lighthouse of International, now the UD, our pastor, Bishop Dag, or Pastor Dag of the day, did not start this church alone. He had two pillars beside him. Bishop Eddie was there. Bishop Saki was there. They've been with him all these years. That is what has brought forth the ministry we are enjoying today. So you two, where is your Bishop Saki? Where is your B- B- Bishop Eddie? The only thing you know is the song and the dance. Uh, preaching, you know. Uh, well, well, Bishop Saki preaching, you know. Bishop Eddie preaching. Where is your own Bishop Saki and your Bishop Eddie? Oh, Yes. You are alone. Now, I'm not talking about just getting people. I'm talking about people who are dependable. And dependable people are strong people. They are tough people. They are like steel. Not just gathering bricks around you, but what? Pillars. If you understand what I'm teaching you tonight, our church will change. Our church will change. You are blessed to be hearing what I'm I'm sharing with you. But it's not just hearing, it's in the doing. Pillars are not easy to get, but it is worth it. Is worth it. So you build with and around pillars. Now, I spoke to you about Jesus. Now, let's look at Paul, how Paul also built his ministry. Philippians. First and foremost, let's do 
Galatians 2. And then we'll come and look at uh, Philippians and then we'll close. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, and when James and Cephas and John, the word Cephas is the word Peter. Peter is Cephas. The rock means the rock, Cephas. And so when James and Peter or Cephas and John, who seemed to be what? Pillars. Now, these are the people Jesus recruited in Mark chapter 1. Okay, now Paul is saying that when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. Now, understand this. This is what Paul is teaching you. He said that, when they encountered the pillars of the church, James, John, Peter, who seemed to be pillars in the church, Paul is saying that, you see, understand that these are the people that began the work with Christ. And then Paul came on the scene later. Now he's writing to the church in Galatia and he's telling them that when, they, when he met these guys, who seem to be pillars. In other words, these are the people that stood with Jesus to do their work. They recognized the grace of God that was upon him, Paul. And what did they do? They extended unto Paul and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. In other words, they welcomed them. They approved of them. And what did they do? The next thing he says is that and when they extended unto he said that the right hand of the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathens and they unto what the circumcision you see when you encounter um, pillars one of the things they do in your life a clear sign of somebody being a pillar is that he helps you to accomplish important things you know this surface and co they, they were like in Ghana we say Obontius, like the main guys the main guys in the church they could have said you know what follow us we are called to the circumcision follow us but you see when you have a pillar he will say that look you know something you gather the people or you let me go and gather them and you prepare and preach it's like I'm called to compliment you when there is no pillar around you, you find yourself doing everything by yourself and remember that at your best state, you are vanity. So you can't accomplish much. But if you have pillars in your basenta, they will tell you that you go to ask the land, I'm going to what? Serving the land. like, you go here, I'll go here so that together we can build something. 
So Paul says that we were asked, we were commissioned to go to the heathens and they went to what? The circumcision. It's like at the end of the day, the mission is accomplished by two wings. By two wings. So that you even have to tell people what to do. It's a problem. You don't have pillars. When you have pillars, they will even say, oh, let me try this whilst you do this. You don't have to do everything by yourself. Neither should you tell us to do everything by yourself. We ourselves, we know what to do. We know what to do. When did any of your people say that, oh, this week on my own, I went to visit this person, this person, this person, because for the past three weeks, we've not seen them in church. But everybody is sitting down looking at your face like monkeys. Honestly. But if you have appeals, you'll be shocked how they will enhance your work. And that's what I'm saying that it's not about getting people. When you have pillars, you, you will eventually have members because they will think like you. They will see your heart. Your ministry just starts to expand. So in the church, we have so many people, but there are few pillars. And the purpose of my meeting tonight is to stir up the desire to start looking and to start building pillars. Oh yeah. When you have pillars, I tell you, things just work. Things just work. I can share with you my practical experiences. And I'm telling you that it works. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 2, sorry, and verse 19. Now, this Paul speaking again. And I'm shocked that such a great man of God like Apostle Paul also needed helpers and pillars. So, if Jesus had pillars, Paul had pillars, Bishop Dark had pillars, and you, you say you don't need pillars. You are wasting your time. I'm telling you, you are wasting your time. Resign. Because you will last. Philippians 2.19 But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send. Let me read the NLT. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. 20. He says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. 
But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with a father. He has served me in preaching the good news. Paul said, look, I'm thinking of sending this guy, Timothy, unto you. Because the King James says that, for I have no man who would naturally care for you. He says that in, in the church, there are so many people, but there is hardly anyone, I have no one else like Timothy, who genuinely cares, genuinely cares. The word is genuinely. He says this guy, he genuinely cares for you. About your welfare. So we see that Timothy was a pillar in the ministry of Paul. So when he wanted to even send people, he said, look, I'm sending somebody who has proved himself like a son. I'm sending him. To this guy. He then he says in verse 21, all the others, they care only for themselves. And not the matters of Christ Jesus. Sometimes in the church, there are so many people, but to find a pillar to do something, eh, you'll be shocked that you can't find. Because even though there are many pe pe people, there are only few people who genuinely cares for the welfare of the church and the people. For all men cares for themselves, not the things of Christ Jesus. So you see the people, when, when you live here, and you are in your school, you are at your work, you are a top person. You are performing very well. But when it comes to church, you are like some empty-headed person. You can't do anything. Why? Not that you can't do anything, but it's like you don't genuinely care for people. But Paul said that not like Timothy. It didn't start now. It started even in the days of Paul. That's what I'm telling you. There are only few pillars. And if you get one or two, you are gone. You are gone. So, as I'm here, the first thing I thought of getting, working on, is I need pillars in the church. I need pillars. I shouldn't think too much about who is who. It's important, but the most important thing is that you need to find pillars because to be able to work well, you need them. You can surround yourself with a lot of members in the name of love, but nothing will get done. Oh, Bishop, we love you, and so what? They don't know how to do anything. They can't do anything, but you need pillars, just a few people that have the heart that you have that understand the heart of this work and this church and we can go places and you too in your center, in your center in your center, wherever you are working as a leader, as a Christian going somewhere, you also need your pillar you need your Timothy so when we see you we see you alone but as opposed to when we see them, we see a Timothy. So, who is your Timothy? It's an axe. Does that have nobody? If you want people to follow you, you need pillars.
Honestly. If you're all by yourself, your words don't amount much. Your works will not be great. Any ministry, any church, any ministry that is expanding and is growing and is becoming great, I tell you, it has a lot of pillars. Not title workers, but real pillars. Real pillars. And we thank God that we are in a church with good structures. Good structures. But the structures must have strong pillars. People that are strong like you. That work with you. That even when you are not working, the work still goes on because the pillars are working. Are you understanding me? So that's what one of the first prophets says is that pray and recruit pillars. Now, how do you get pillars? Let me just introduce that and then we'll close. How do you get pillars? The first prophet says in the mega church is that pray and recruit pillars. So one of it is to pray. Pray for, pray for pillars. So on Friday when we come, we are going to dedicate two hours to pray for pillars. Pray. Some of the pillars, they are in Ochivarongo. The prayer will move them here. Yes. Yes. Now, pillars don't just arrive. You build them. You make them. You make them. So sometimes you take somebody and you tell us of this person, eh, I'm going to transform him into a pillar. You know, most of our in-house, homegrown pastors, people are amazed how they turn out. You see, they turn out because from an ordinary member state, through association, exposure, impartation, they are systematically transformed from normal materials into strong pillars. And you can take somebody and synthesize the person into a pillar. Make him a pillar. Oh yeah. Let me just give you two or three points and then we'll be done for tonight. Let's continue our time, sir. Number one, okay, time. I don't think we can go into it. Let me just give you some five types, maybe five types of pillars, and then we will, five types of pillars. And the first type is what we call pastoral, pastoral pillars. I'll give you the five um, let's take back for now. Let me just take the first one. So there are five types of pillars. We have uh, pastoral pillars, apostolic pillars, counseling pillars, financial pillars. So many other pastors. Let me just mention this one and then I'll just talk on that. There we go. So the first kind of pillar that you need to recruit is what we call 
pastoral pillar. Say pastoral pillars. Now, who is a pastoral pillar? A pastoral pillar is somebody that you can depend on to shepherd the people or to pastor the people. Amen. He's somebody who you can do what? Depend on to shepherd the people or to pastor the people. When he's around you, you are sure that these people, they will do well. Like Paul talked about Timothy, that there is, he said, there is no one who naturally or genuinely cares for your welfare. So you see that Timothy was, was like a pastor. He had a pastoral heart. A pastor is about who cares for the flock. He cares for their welfare. He cares for their well-being. He cares for their progress. Not to kill them or to finish them. I don't want to use a word. Because some people, they actually eat the sheep. That somebody who wants to rather, the sheep should, should flourish. Oh, yeah. You need such a person. You have to look for such a person. He's like a pastor. The heart is the heart of a pastor. He's called a pastoral pillar. You may not call him a pastor, but you see that he's a pillar like a pastor. And when you have this person or this type of person around you, I tell you, there is establishment, there is stability, there is growth. Such was Timothy. A man that just cares for the flock. And when you have that person, his heart bleeds for the flock. He thinks about the flock. Look, without pillars, Paul would have been a very useless apostle. He wouldn't have the impact that he had. I remember when I went on missions, you see, we were one of the early, early missionaries. When you look into the UD history, they tell you that I was a second missionary. But actually I wasn't. I was number four. But in terms of the work, the prominence of the work, the first one that really stood was Uganda. And then the second one was Swaziland. So they, they, but in between Uganda and Swaziland, there was Gambia. Gambia was number two. And then Kenya, number three. And then I was sent number four. Now, I'm mentioning this to say that during those days, those, that time, we were sent as individuals. So, Bishop Chris went to Uganda. And then uh, Bishop Joe went to Gambia. And then uh, Reverend, what's his name? Reverend Fred went to Kenya. And then I was sent to Swaziland. Now, my first one year, was it one year? Yes, maybe one year. I was alone. 
you know, pushing, 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 pushing. So this was like 2000, 2001. Yeah. And then I traveled back to Ghana the following year, August. Yongicho was coming to Accra. So I was there when he came. And then I remembered I had a friend on campus. He wasn't in Lighthouse, but he was a very good guy. You know, he was a year behind me. So he had finished school that year and was doing his national service. So I went to Accra, went for this conference, visited my family, beloved, everything. And then I said, ah, this is my friend. Let me go and look for him. And he was in another city, Kumasi. So I took a bus and went to look for him. This guy was a great musician, like very good in music and very spiritual, you know. So I went to see him. He was in his office. I mean, very comfortable, young graduate, you know. And I told her, listen, I want you to come to Swaziland. Leave this your big office and come and join me on the mission field. And he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, come. Then he said, okay. So I was there. This was in uh, August 2001. By February 2002, he bought a ticket himself. He found money, bought his ticket, stopped his work, packed his bag, and flew to Swaziland. I was in my house, and I had a call. That's someone that's looking for you. So when I went, this my friend was carrying his suitcase. Says, I have arrived on the mission field. No wife, no child. Me to no wife, no child. So now we are here to do the work. He was my very good friend from school. You know, he knew everything about me. So he came. Look, at that time, eh, the church, the church was like here. Yeah, let me bring my pulpit. This is church. This is church. The day, the day, it's like God has moved mega service. 32. It's only Sunday, 32 people. And we used to be in a, in a, in a room which is probably like here. That's this space. And it was good. Because when the people come and there's an overflow, they sit outside. Then you feel called. Overflow. So even if you are not called, there will be a feeling of you are called. So when this brother came, I'm talking about Raising pastoral pillars. He came in February. I slated my marriage for April. So I only had one month to be with him. So I took him around. The members. We prayed. We did everything. He knew who is what, who is what. But in the mornings, like when I wake up on Sunday, he would have washed my car. Get my car washed. Then he would pack the equipment because they were in my house. He would pack the equipment from upstairs all the way down into the car. 
make sure the house is clean. Then he'll call ashes to be in the church to organize. If I can't be in church, he will call a taxi to come and take the equipment to church. By the time I get to church, like nine, the place is set up already. Meanwhile, before that, that'll be my headache. That'll be my headache. I have to organize all this. But now you, you have somebody who has not come to enjoy. But he's come to help you. And, it, and it's like suddenly the work is gaining ascendancy. Two months I left the church. He came in February, March. April, I went to Ghana. I went to marry. I left him with the church and my house. When I was leaving, there was only one car. Actually, one and a half cars. Because the other car, if four people sit in, the car will not move. <laughs> hey! The engine was weak. It only takes two. If people, you know how when we close church, members, members want lifts. And this lady will tell you, no, I can't give you a lift. And people never understood why. If four people sit in, the car cannot move. The engine, when it starts, it's like anointing service. The smoke, the, the glory of God. <laughs> Those are the only cars in the church. I went to Ghana in April. I came back in May. Three weeks or one month with my wife. When we arrived at the airport, the church was there to receive us. But suddenly, I didn't see one and a half cars. I saw about five cars. And I was asking myself that, oh, maybe they went to hire some people. You know how church members are. You know, just let me feel good. So they drove to my house. And when they got there, so we passed it bye-bye. So I, you know, they, they all left. I think it was like a Wednesday or Thursday. Sunday we go to church. The, the church was upstairs. Now the street, that's where we parked our cars. One and a half cars. That Sunday, look, I saw a BMW. Nice BMW. I saw a Mercedes. I saw another car. Then I saw the half car. Still there. Then I didn't know that they were my church members. So I climbed up. When I got to the church, the church that was like these people, they have moved to another room. And the place was packed. From 32, the church moved to like 76 people. I'm talking about having a pillar, a pastoral pillar. Then after church, I didn't know whether I was in my own church or I was somewhere else. So I called him and I asked him, who are all these people? Because when I was living, remember before I came full time, I used to teach. And I used to teach in a place like Ovitoto. It's not in town. But I will go there and sometimes in a week I'll make trips to town. Now, 50% of my members were from the church. From there of a total place. And I'll put them in a bus. Now when they arrive in church, the aroma will change. Hey, the armpits. Ah. Church 
and the few city people who are there, they will feel uncomfortable. What type of church is this? These students, when they come, the whole aroma will change. Fragrance. But now, when I came, I'm seeing well-dressed families, workers, mommy, daddy, children. So he would call them and say, Pastor, meet Mr. This and his wife and children. I say, oh, really? I meet Mr. This and his wife and children. Meet Mr. This and his wife and children. I say, hey, within four weeks old, that I traveled, the guy has advanced the church. Suddenly, our offering had changed. Our income had changed. Even the, 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 the cosmetic image of the church had changed. I didn't have a car for some time, but that car wasn't a problem. If I just have to call somebody in the church. If my car breaks, I have somebody, I'll call. But you can also have somebody and look all my life I've lived with people in my house. Since before I got married, this brother used to be with me, became a pastor, married in my house. I've always had people, missionaries, stay in my house till I left. And some of them, when they come, they just come to add problems. You have to now shepherd them. It's like you have to babysit them. They are like an extra burden on you. But there are some people, when they come, they take your burdens of your life. They make your burdens light and they push your work. I'm talking about people by their presence even your church doubles. Your church doubles. By their presence suddenly your ministry doubles. I'm telling you. This is your percentage that anytime we have meetings, we are facing you, we are always three, four, three, four. You need a pillar, a, a pillar with a pastoral grace that will be able to push your numbers from three to thirty. It's possible. I'm telling you, that's a type of person that if you will look for that person and pray for that person, suddenly you see how it will be like magic. They will ask you that, what muti are you using? Do you know muti? What magic black power are you using? You say, the black power is called pillarization. Pillar, I have a pillar. I have a pillar. If prophet sends me anywhere today where there is no church, I'm not going to take over a church. I'm going to plant a church. Look, I will carry some of you with me as my pillars. That's because that's what I need. I, that, that is the key. Then go into a virgin area to go and look for grass and weeds. It will take you 20 years. But sometimes just having five pillars with you because think about waking up at 3 a.m. to pray alone and waking up at 3 a.m. with five people praying. Bombarding one enemy. Of course, you will prevail. You will prevail. So from tonight, your prayer, your burden, your desire should be that, oh God, give me pillars. Give me pillars. Give me pastoral pillars. Pastoral pillars. 
pastoral place. Friday, I want us to come and cry to God. Oh God, give us pillars. I need pillars. My basenta must have pillars. I can't be working alone. I need a Timothy. I need Timothy. I need my Cephas. I need my James. I need my Johns who seem to be pillars. When you enter into your basenta area or wherever, when they see you without that guy, you do ask that, where is he? Where is he? I did ministry with this, my friend. He wasn't a pastor. I was the only pastor in the church. Three years down the line, he became a pastor. You know, other pastors came to join. But when I was leaving the cathedral, I moved him from his branch into the church. You know, the had full timers. I moved them out. I moved a lay pastor from far to come and be the pastor of the church that I used to be. He's using my bishopric office. Yeah. I'm telling you that that is how valuable a pillar can be to you. And you know that this person eh, he naturally cares for the welfare of the people. I can entrust the place to him and the place will not go down. So it's not about who came first. No, 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 no. It's about the type of person you have built. So if it's going to take you the whole year to pray and to recruit three pillars, do it. Do it. You'll be shocked how the place that you have been assigned, whether it's Korea Hub, uh, where? Havana, where? Komasdal, Vanaheda, uh, where? Black chain, red chain, white chain, all types of chain. They'll all bow before you. They'll bow before you. But now, when you go, you are alone. Even when you see some houses, you are afraid to enter. Some of you, when we pick you from here and we put you in errors, you run away. We just put you in errors. Just put you there. Just left, right. Hey! This place! No, 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 no. But when you have a pillar, even when when you are discouraged, his zeal encourages you. So we are able. We are able. We are taking Soweto for Jesus. Yes, we are taking Soweto for Jesus. When I that for Jesus. Your people will be asking you that, where is this brother? Where is this brother? Because you are always together. And Jesus, he built his ministry around the twelve. Next week, I'll share with you about apostolic pillars. There's also a type of apostolic pillars. Jesus did not just have pastoral pillars. He also had apostolic pillars. But now I'm talking about pastoral pillars. People who care for the people. Who love them. To have no man who will naturally care for your states. Like Timothy. For all men care for themselves and other things of Christ Jesus. I pray that you will find somebody like this person 
in your life. Rise to your feet. How many are going to start looking for pillars from today? So we are going to start praying right from tonight. By Friday, we are coming here. What time? We said 4 o'clock. 4 to 8. 4 to 8. We are going to study the word of God. And we are also going to pray. And we are going to pray for just pillars. Amen. Pray and recruit pillars. Pray for and recruit. You have to pray for them. Pray in the spirit. And then you go to recruit them. Lift up your hands. And begin to pray for your ministry. That Lord, let my ministry expand. Help me to, re to recruit pillars. Tonight we have been taught the importance of pillars. That is the first thing you do when you have an assignment. What assignment do you have? Think of pillars to help you to fulfill that assignment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Tonight we ask for yes. pillars, Lord. We ask for pillars, Lord. We ask for pillars, Lord. We ask for pillars. We ask for pillars. We ask for pillars. Thank you. Help us. Help our ministries. Help our ministries. If Jesus sought for pillars, help us. If Paul sought for pillars, Lord, if our father and prophet shall die, began this work with pillars, Lord, we also ask for pillars. We start afresh. Fresh ministries. Fresh centers. Pillars. Fresh pastors. Fresh saunters, fresh choirs, fresh ashes, fresh media, fresh center, fresh teachers, everything over. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit Bishop Andy Juma podcast channel for more messages and the Precious Souls Church social media pages for more information on upcoming events and so much more. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages weekly. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind.